have so much to talk about today, though, especially our water polo teams. We brought you the news yesterday that Aussie Sharks captain Aaron Younger announced the birth of his baby girls, probably desperate to meet her. And the news, well, it might have been a boost to the team. They needed to secure a win over Kazakhstan, which they did, but it wasn't enough to get them through the quarterfinals. Yeah, not quite, unfortunately, but uh, that's a nice way to finish the Olympics for them. Uh, it's all, unfortunately, a bit too late, the victory over Kazakhstan, but uh, the good news is, is that the women are through to the quarterfinals water polo and, coincidentally, that's what we're talking about very shortly. WA's elite athletes on the podium. Joining us now is a man who has sport running through his veins. He's played for some of the best teams in the world in a sport which he's been playing since he was 10 years old. He's a Rio Olympian representing Australia in water polo. Joel Swift, thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me. And so can you tell us why the win last night for the Aussie men wasn't enough to get him into the quarterfinals? It worked out a bit funny in a curious way that the tiebreak system for water polo is really bizarre, where uh, essentially it was going to land a three-way tie, but Croatia upset um, Spain, or Serbia, apologies, um, in an earlier round. So it ended up Montenegro, the first game of the tournament. The Aussies weren't really there. Unfortunately, went down 15-10. It went on head-to-head results. So they finished on the same amount of points, but uh, that just led to them being knocked out. Um, now, just for those that haven't followed the water polo campaign for the men, is that uh, unexpected that we'd bow out as early as we have? We know the Europeans are so strong. Uh, how will they reflect on that uh, Olympics? Yeah, definitely. So I think the men probably went into the expectations that probably was about where they were. Um, heading into the tournament, they probably couldn't get a worse draw than what they got. They have three of the four top sides in the world um, ranked with them, and then the other European side ranked um, was Montenegro, who's... In Europe, just won the World League, so they've moved up standing since the Olympic seating uh, to probably world number one or two. So really they had, I'd say personally, four of the top sides in the world and then Kazakhstan, which is a bit of a weaker side. So I did really well to get the upset against Croatia. That sort of set the tone in their second game. Unfortunately fell off in their third and fourth game against uh, Spain and Serbia, especially that Serbia match. And, uh, yeah, just got the consolation prize last night. And I've, I've always wondered, why are these European nations so strong at water polo? Swimming in Australia is amazing. We showed again at this Olympics that we're dominant in the pool. What's what's the deal with water polo? It's a real uh, cultural thing there. So in the Balkan regions, your Serbia's, Croatia's, um, it's, a real, it's really cultural and they've um, done it for a long time and obviously there's a lot of expectation on the country. So it's very prestigious there. Obviously the football or soccer is sort of the number one sport. But water polo is viewed as a really um, prideful, or, uh, you know, um, na- natural like sport national for them to play sport. national yeah, sports. Right. So, yeah, that's the same as Hungary as well. And that's purely on how well they've done. That um, the leagues in those countries is very strong. Um, obviously, the Australian players are trying to go there, and it's really um, sort of led to their international success. Mm. As for our women, uh, mm-hmm. through to the quarterfinals. Um, now, this is not a, a battle of the sexes by any means, but our women have had some some pretty good success over yeah, the over the journey. What, what, why so? How, how do you how do you uh, nail down the reason? Yeah, sure. So I think Australia got a bit of a head start in the women. Um, obviously, women's sport in Australia is a very big thing. Um, in Europe, it was probably sort of put to the side a bit. I'd say it was very cultural water polo for men, but the women didn't actually really play in a lot of these, especially these Balkan regions. The one that I was speaking about earlier, not much focus was really um, associated with water polo there. They're starting to pick up, and I think that's sort of showing in the results more um, with these later Olympics that there's more countries um, that are really competing. It's becoming very um, competitive globally, I'd say, for women's water polo. But I think Australia really got the head start, a lot of focus there, and uh, obviously we have some great swimmers and really great talent, so that's leading to a good result in the women. 
Well, let's talk about your own Olympic experience, Joel. Cast your mind back to Rio. What was that campaign like? Yeah, really good. Obviously, we sort of went in with high hopes and expectations. Um, didn't deliver on those, I must say. I sort of have some regrets. We sort of, similarly to this campaign, play Brazil game one uh, in front of their home crowd, people going crazy and lost. Yeah. Um, that, sort of, that sort of put us on the back foot. I think we expected to win that game. If we won that game in hindsight, we would have qualified for the quarterfinals. Uh, I'd say it's pretty reflective of my whole career with the national team is we always found a way to lose um, when it mattered most. So, obviously, I lost uh, two world championship uh, quarterfinals in penalty shootout and extra time. So, oh. just really heartbreak was yeah. sort of the, the picture of my whole career <laughs> with the national side. Well, I'm glad we could bring you in for a bit of a pep-me-up, <laughs> uh, pep-me-up uh, chat with uh, Joel Swift. Uh, Joel, going back to Rio, mm-hmm. the experience itself, obviously the results are what you're after, but... How did you find it um, on the other side of the world, a different culture? Something that, I guess, a once-in-a-lifetime experience for some. Yeah, definitely. It was sort of an incredible experience. It's a thing you've sort of dreamt of your whole life. From the moment I started playing water polo, it was sort of the thing that was like, I've got to achieve this, and was what I was really striving for. So, I mean, I took a lot of steps in my career to get there. Um, I was dropped for the London Olympics, so one of the last ones dropped, so I sort of felt the heartbreak, and... I think that drove me to um, sort of want it more. So I moved over to Europe, really committed to my water polo, uh, moved away from Perth and sort of took that next step to make sure I was at Rio. And I think that was sort of the culmination of events that I was just really thankful that I made it and obviously um, wanted to do, do our best there. But, yeah, I'm really thankful and look back on that time as you know a very special moment in my life. So, Joe... We know that water polo players in Australia, in terms of making a dollar, it's uh, almost impossible. But you said going across to Europe, mm-hmm. that's a different story there, I think. There's, there is some money to be made there? Yeah, there's a bit of money to be made there. I wouldn't say it's really life-changing, similar to, your, um, obviously, basketball or soccer or one of those sports. But it's definitely more manageable. Um, here, it's probably, your, uh, I'd say, the average water polo salary uh, in Europe for a professional player is probably around fifty to 60000 Australian. So you can sort of make a good living. Um, you're playing the sport you love. You're probably doing the same amount of training you're doing here anyway, but here you're going to work for eight hours a day trying to make ends meet. So it takes that burden off you. I think a lot of the guys are sort of doing their studies or doing something else so that you can get through that as well on top. And then sort of um, it just assists. It's, you're playing the best people. You're training in the best legs. You're really building your water polo career. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And we mentioned earlier on in the show uh, that some athletes in Tokyo who'd finished their games, the rugby players and uh, the rowing team, maybe got a bit buckwild at the end of their events. Did that happen in Rio? Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't hear water polo earlier, to be honest, so, especially the men. Yeah. Like, a, like a shandy? Yeah, 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 they love a beer. So it's, uh, I think it's that kind of sport, you know, you fight hard in the pool, you see all the footage on TV, I said all the time, um, so you, you know, you've got to do something on the other yeah. end and have a beer with the other teams. And then what about the, like, the closing ceremony? Like, what do you remember about that experience and what do you think about like, these athletes who, uh, as soon as they finish, back on a plane for 14 days in um, uh, Howard Springs in quarantine? Yeah, I feel really sorry for them. I'm still on a WhatsApp chat with, obviously, um, Aaron Younger and AJ Roach, so I'm sort of getting into them at the moment about you know good luck coming home and sitting in a room for 14 days but i think it's really disappointing for a lot of those guys uh it's a very different experience this time obviously we got knocked down in a similar circumstance in rio hung around got to enjoy the other sports so got to see bolt run the 100 200 sort of it really experienced the games from a spectator 
um, perspective. And then we obviously went to the closing ceremony, which was great, walking out, knowing all the eyes in the world are on you. And, um, you know, it was a nice way to cap off my career because I knew I was finishing up. I think last night you saw in the men's polo, they finished up. A few of the players were sort of in tears, their career's over, and there's you don't really have that climactic thing mm. um, if you've just won a game of polo it's not the biggest thing yeah and you just think of, of coming back from say disappointing games particularly if you haven't lived up to uh, your hopes or your expectations or even what Australians are expecting then you've got the 14 days quarantine on a serious note um, in terms of mental health that, that's a that's a pretty tough gig at the end of what's been in a, a really exhausting five years of not knowing whether you're going to get to an Olympics. Yeah, I definitely think so because it's very mentally straining there. There's a lot of pressure on you, not only from other people, but you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Obviously, everyone's very competitive to be, even make it to the games. You've got to really be um, have a quite a mental fortitude, but you put a lot of pressure on yourself. You know you sort of belong. Um, and then sort of that release after the tournament and coming back to 14 days, I just can't imagine it's um, a great experience. Yeah, and how's Aaron doing? You mentioned you're messaging with him. We know that uh, he's welcomed the birth of a child while he's been over there in Tokyo. Yeah, so I believe he's on a plane at the moment back to Hungary. So his wife's Hungarian. Um, he plays in Italy. Um, so he's back on the plane already to Europe. Um, I'm assuming straight to the hospital to meet his daughter. So yeah, They might not have 14-day quarantine <laughs> over there. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> exactly. Now, um, good news is that Joel is sitting down. I'm, we're both standing up. I still think he'd uh, fit quite comfortably into maybe a centre-half forward position at uh, West Coast or Fremantle. Um, but injury-wise, um, we see water polo, and the underwater shots are mm-hmm. the most telling of all. Are there many injuries that, that deserve explanation? Um I think water polo, you're pretty lucky. I think the water actually softens a lot of injuries. I think there's also, there's similar to your footy, your fingers go all the wrong way and you've got to go put back in and then tape them up and finish the game off. But it's not like that devastating knee injury like in footy that sort of sets you back a long time. I think the worst injury I've personally had is a torn rotator cuff. It's probably out nine months with that, obviously full shoulder recon. Um, but that's one of the rarer ones. I think there's probably only two guys in the national team that have been through something sort of like that. Whereas if you look at your other sports, that's sort of more of a common occurrence. You get the odd knee in the Jets crackers? Yeah, you get all that. And I think people are happy to throw out, you know, the punch to the underwater. Everything underwater is sort of fair game. The referee can't see it. So I think, you know, uh, the Olympics is probably the only event with a camera. Um, so. The funny thing about water polo, though, is it's a sport where you train with the other countries a lot more than you actually play at the Olympics or World Champs. You're competitively training with these teams for weeks on weeks. Um, the action that actually happens in those training sessions is a lot worse than in the yeah, games. No doubt. There's no repercussions, no suspension. <laughs> if someone's annoying you, you just belt them and move on. Well, you talk about WA, and there's two things that stand out for me just briefly in water polo. Tom Hode, of course, the, mm-hmm. the reputation and what he's done for the sport. But is there a more scenic spot that you've been to, there might be a few, but Picton Pool, when it's a beautiful afternoon slash evening, it's just a wonderful place to, to watch and maybe compete. Yeah, I'm extremely biased, but Picton's definitely the best pool in the world. Uh, it's river water, then they chlorinate it, so it's not bad on the eyes. You see the people go out of the pool with the Olympics, they're trying to look for the chlorine wash and whatnot. Uh, nothing like that at Picton, and just the view, sensational.